One, two, there we go. Good morning, Cornerstone. It's so good to be with you here in the room, and it's good to be with those who are watching um, our streaming worship as well. So, when was the last time you were fully alive? A time when, it could, be, could have been exuberant, it could be quiet. When's the last time that you were so filled with life that you marked the moment as significant to remember? I want to begin the message today thinking of times when we've been fully alive or when we have seen a, a fullness of life or an abundance of life in others. So last week, um, a lot of us watched um, Daniel standing at the front of the room as his wife-to-be, Rachel, walked toward him. And we watched him tear up. And that moment was a moment of life. This, um, this last um, Friday night, I was up in the middle of the night, or just woke up, and the moonlight coming through the bedroom window was so bright, I got up, put on my glasses, and I just looked out at the beautiful faux moon. And I thanked God for his love and his grace for me. And I thanked God for the two cardinals that he had sent into my life earlier that day to be reminded of his love. And I'd watched a movie on orphans, and I prayed, dear God, care for the vulnerable in the world. And I prayed that God would bless the people I fully love. And it was in the middle of the night, and in that moment, I was fully alive. Yesterday in our church softball game, I, I got recruited to hold the baby so the parents could play softball. And so I held 10-week-old held Joe Jr. And as he looked around at life with his, his very, very new eyes, he would just look and stare. And I felt like I was holding part of the life of God in my arms. And last week, um, my daughter sent me a video clip, which she gave me permission to show you here this morning. Take a look at this video clip of our two-year-old granddaughter, Ellie, in a moment where she's fully alive. Take a look. Where are we going, Ellie? I see so. To the ice cream store? I see so. Uh, are you excited? <laughs> so I'm going to give you about 20 seconds here to think of, of a time or a number of times when you felt fully alive. And after the 20 seconds, I'm going to actually invite you to share it with somebody who's around you. So you actually have to do this so you have something to share. And if you don't want to share, that's fine. If you're watching on our streaming video, you could text it to a friend or share it with someone in the room. Or if you're on streaming, you can text it to me if I'm in your phone. So I'm going to give you 20 seconds. Just try to think of times when you have felt fully alive so that you can share it with someone else. So on your mark, get set, go. 20 seconds. Got it? I said to myself, I would know when people got it because they would smile. I'm waiting for more smiles. All right. If you're willing, share with the person next to you, share with someone that moment that came to mind when you thought of a time when you were full of life. Okay? Go ahead and share right now. 
All right, let's come back. It's really good to hear all of your voices here in the room. Now let's listen to Jesus in John 10 talk about fullness of life. This is John 10, verses 7 to 15. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, they will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. So today we're going to, we're not going to look at that whole passage as kind of as incredible and packed as that passage is. We're just going to look at the second half of John 10, 10. In our English Bibles, it's 11 or maybe 12 words. In the Greek text, it's like seven words. That's it. Sometimes we should read large portions of scripture, large chapters, or even whole books to, to figure out the flow of argument. But there are other times when we should look at less scripture and reflect on it more deeply so it has a greater impact on us. And that's what I want to do today with John 10.10, 10, where Jesus says, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. And just so you know, I'm only doing the heavy, lift, heavy lifting for the first half of this message. Second half is going to be on you. And I'm going to lead you in a meditation on John 10.10 10, with the prayer that you will hear today, whether you're in this room or whether you're streaming with us, that you will hear the voice of the Holy Spirit whispering something to your soul that you particularly need to hear. John's gospel is unique among the gospels in how much it talks about life. It's, no other gospel talks about life or quotes Jesus talking about life as much as John does in his gospel. And just so you know, um, very often John and Jesus refer to eternal life. And we tend to think that eternal life is after we die, you know, forever someday. But actually in the gospel of John, eternal life is always something that we can have right now. The moment we believe, we have eternal life. So eternal life and fullness of life are synonymous. So let me read to you some of the verses in the Gospel of John that talk about eternal life. And I've just, I've just inputted so that we get its significance. I've inputted fullness of life for eternal life. Starting out in John 1, verse 4, John writes, In him was life, and that life was the light of mankind. John 3.16, which you know when we read a number of weeks ago, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal but have fullness of life because our fullness of life starts when we believe in Jesus here 
and now. John 3.36, whoever believes in the Son has fullness of life. In John 4, Jesus says, whoever drinks of the water that I will give will never be thirsty again. The water I give will be a spring welling up to fullness of life. John 5, 26, Jesus again says, as the Father has life in himself, God is the author of the life, as the Father has life in himself, so he is granted to the Son to have life in himself. John 6, Jesus says, do not work for food that perishes, but for food that endures to fullness of life, which the Son of Man will give you. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. I am the bread of life. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have fullness of life. John 8, 12. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And then John chapter 11, after the death of Lazarus, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Whoever believes in me, though they die, yet shall they live. So we come to John 10.10, 10, and it's essentially a summary of everything else Jesus ever said about fullness of life. Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. The Greek word translated abundantly there, it's not a mild, measured kind of a term. It is a word of extravagance. So I looked up a number of dictionaries, and here's what it says. Um, the Greek word means to have a superabundance beyond the regular number or size or amount to a measure that is extremely, utterly beyond extraordinary. Let me say that again. So that you know the kind of life Jesus wants for you. To have a superabundance beyond the regular number or size or amount to a measure that is extremely, utterly beyond extraordinary. Give you an idea. The word's not used a lot of times in the New Testament, but it's used of the disciples' utter amazement and astonishment when Jesus walked on the water and climbed into the boat. And they were utterly amazed. They were astoundingly, abundantly amazed. This abundant life in Christ, it's not superficial. It's not situational. Being fully alive with the life of Jesus, it can't be canceled by trials and struggles. It's not diminished in the face of injustice. And it can't be defeated by circumstances. Life might hit us really, really hard as the followers of Jesus, but it need not diminish a fullness of life that we have in Jesus Christ. So, to be fully alive, I would propose to you, is to engage life as it really is, deeply with an inner sense of peace, calling, love, equilibrium, grace, and truth. That's what it means to be fully alive. And that's what Jesus came to give to everyone who will follow him. There's a famous um, saying, by Irenaeus, one of the early church fathers. Irenaeus was the bishop of Lyon. He actually grew up in Smyrna. And, um, and interestingly, Irenaeus was discipled by a man named Polycarp. Polycarp was directly discipled by the Apostle John. So it's no surprise that Irenaeus really loves the Gospel of John. 
And so when Irenaeus was reflecting on how much God wants us to have fullness of life, he said this, and it's been quoted through the Christian centuries. The glory of God is a human fully alive. God takes pleasure. God rejoices. God is exalted when we are fully alive. The glory of God is a human fully alive. All right, that's my part of the message. Now you guys get to do some work on it because I would like you to not just hear it, but engage it and listen to what the Spirit would have to say to you. So I'm going to lead you in a four-step meditation on these seven Greek or 11 or 12 words in English. Um, so um, for this, take out your phones. I know pastors never say take out your phones in church. Take out your phones. Open an email to yourself. In the subject line, put something like fully alive or abundant life. So give it a subject title. And um, in this meditation for each step, you're actually going to answer some questions in the email. At the end, you're going to send it to yourself so you've got record of it so that you can continue to think about it. And no checking other emails or texts. You guys know who you are. All right? So let me pray as we begin our meditation together. Lord Jesus, when we read all of those scriptures chained together, and that wasn't even all of them, we realize how much you want us to have overflowing life. As you said, that we would have streams of living water rising up from within us. And Holy Spirit, as we are meditating on these words, wherever we are, wherever we are in the world, whenever it is we're watching, Holy Spirit, would you speak to each one uniquely? You know what each of us needs to hear from you. Help us to listen as you speak to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, step one of the meditation. I'm going to have you list, and you know, three, four, five, seven, whatever, list signs in your life that you are full of life. What do you like when you're fully alive? For me, when I'm full of life, when I'm fully alive, I remember often and completely that I am perfectly loved by my Heavenly Father, and I rest in that. When I'm fully alive, I am not focused on myself. I'm focused on other people, and I love other people joyfully and freely and lavishly and sacrificially. When I'm full of life, I accept my truest self. I'm not comparing myself to other people. I'm seeing who God calls me to be, and I'm living in to that. Other signs of fullness of life, um, when I'm full of life, I'm humble, I'm teachable, I'm kind, I'm lost in wonder, injustice matters to me, I laugh more and I cry more, I give energy to other people. Those are our signs of fullness of life. So I'm going to give you about 60 seconds here to answer the question, when I am full of life, I. You're not going to share this with anyone else. There aren't any other parts you're going to share. So this is just for yourself. I'll give you some, some time to think through signs of fullness of life for you.
right? You're going to email this to yourself, so you can add more later. The second part of the meditation is to now list signs in your life when you are dull of life, not full of life, but dull of life. And again, just three, four, five, seven, something like that. For me, it's things like when I'm dull of life, when I'm not full of life, I can't remember the last time I had fun. For me, I, when I'm dull of life or when I'm empty or drained or eroded, it's very often because I've missed my alone time with Jesus in the morning, where I just pour out my heart and listen for his guidance. When I'm dull of life, I am more easily annoyed and impatient. Um, and my world gets really, really small because it gets about me, 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 and everything's a reflection of me. So take 60 seconds and answer the question, when I am dull, signs of when I am dull of life. So 60 seconds is a little bit short if you're doing your own meditation by yourself. It might feel long when you're in a room of people, but that was just about 60 seconds. And you can add to this list later when you um, read the email that you'll send to yourself. All right, the third step of our meditation. Now I want you to list practices and habits that erode or deplete Christ's fullness of life in you. Practices and habits that drain you of life. For me, I try to please people, and I lose focus that God is my audience. For me, and I do this constantly, I will carry just my emotional stresses and burdens, and I will carry them and carry them and carry them, and not let go of them in prayer to God. For me, um, when, I, when I'm draining, being drained of life, I'm not paying attention to my brokenness. And what I do is then I inflict pain on other people because of my brokenness. For me, when I am drained of life, I start blaming other people a lot more because I don't look at myself. And um, for me, I am draining of life or getting drained. I realize I do it when I haven't had intentional Sabbath rest. And not just an hour or two here, but a full 24 hours where I say I'm going to unhook from all my expectations and I'm going to just make space for life. And of course, sin always, always, always erodes our life. It just does. Satan tries to convince us that sin's going to satisfy, but it always drains God's life out of us. So take 60 to 90 seconds. Maybe for you it's grumbling. Maybe it's lack of sleep and sleep patterns. Maybe it's turning a blind eye to injustice. So what are practices and habits that erode or deplete Christ's fullness of life in you?
So when I did this myself earlier this week, I was surprised I came up with 20 or 30 things that I saw in my, in my life that eroded Christ's life in me. And then the final part of our meditation is I'm going to ask you to list practices and habits that fill you with the life, abundant life, that Jesus wants you to have. For me, it's that daily solitude with Jesus in the morning. It's, for me, an abiding awareness of Jesus moment by moment through my day. It's consistent spiritual practices. So I was asked by my nephew, actually, this week. He said, he said, he said Bill, it feels like you're very gentle. Where did that come from? And I said, well, part of it's being married to my wife, Marla, who is very, very gentle. But part of it uh, is consistent spiritual practices that nourish the fruit of the Spirit in me going for decades in my life. Delighting in nature and creation, watching the moon, um, they, they fill me with the life of God. Serving others fills me with the life of God. And as some of you know, and the rest of you will figure out if you get to know me, gently teasing other people just gives me so much joy. <laughs> So, if you don't know that about me, you will figure that out. So, take 60 seconds now to write down five or seven habits or practices that fill you with life. So hit send so that you have that for later. Um, I'm just reminded of the story of the old preacher that was asked, um, what would you do differently um, now that you've been a pastor for so long? And he said, I wouldn't teach the Bible so much. He said, I would teach people how to read the Bible for themselves. Sometimes you should choose a short passage of Scripture and stay with it longer to listen for what the Spirit has for you. All right, the whole point of this meditation is for us to become aware of when we are full of life and when we are drained of life. Because if we're clueless about that, we will wander around in a fog halfway asleep for weeks and months and years and decades. We can monitor the fullness of life of God within us if we will pay attention to it, if we will know what the signs are. And when we monitor it and we are depleted and drained, 
when we are showing the signs of grumbling and blaming others and dissatisfaction with others and with ourselves, when we pay attention to it, we can actually ruthlessly cut out the things that contribute to that. And we can joyfully add in practices that create space for the life that Jesus wants to give you. You can create that space so that you will have those streams of living water flowing in you and flowing through you. So let me just share some observations as I went through this process this week. And seriously, I had pages on each of those four steps. I just kept thinking about and reflecting and reflecting. So let me close with a few observations from this meditation on John 10.10. 10. One, we have a fountain of life in Jesus, who is life himself. Jesus is the fountain of life for us. As much as life can beat us up, as much as sometimes we get discouraged, we can always, always, always go to Jesus because he is the fountain of life. And we can drink deeply from that fountain. Number two, no death or shadow of death can defeat abundant life in Christ. We'll get shaken sometimes. That, I mean, life will throw a lot at us at times. But death couldn't hold Jesus down because he is life himself. And no death or shadow of death or discouragement can defeat the life that Jesus came to give you. Number three, it seems wise to develop an internal gauge to monitor the level of the life that is within you. And even better than that, share it with some best friends so that every once in a while they can say, hey, it feels like you're getting dull of life and not full of life. And the other side of that, notice with each other when someone is full of life and point it out to them and say, I just see that and it just makes me feel like God is exalting in you right now because you are so full of life. Number four, our fullness of life always reflects our practices of life. If your life is drained and eroded, there's stuff you're doing or not doing that is causing that to happen. Because the problem isn't the fountain of life. If you believe in Jesus, you have fullness of life. It is available. So if you're drained, there are some things you're doing that you can stop doing. And then there are some things that, you're do that you can start doing that create space for that. We don't have to settle for dull, sleepy, half-awake, mediocre lives. In Jesus, we don't have to settle for that because there's far, far more available to us. And then final observation. Being fully alive is certainly for us, but it's not only for us. It's for us to let that life, as it flows into us, us to have that life flow out of us and to give life to the world. So when I was a kid, we used to sing this, sing this old song, um, I've got a fountain of life flowing out of me, makes the lame to walk and the blind to see, opens prison doors and sets the captives free. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Anybody know that song? I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Thank you. Kevin, we should sing it together. Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see opens prison doors and sets the captives free. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. All right, 
when I was a little boy, I already equated that river of life for the common good of the people around me. This is not just for you. The world needs to see the life of Jesus. The world needs Christians to breathe life back into the world and not suck life out of the world. Too many followers of Jesus are sucking life out of the world. This is not just for you. It's for everyone around you to see that this is the quality of life that we could have if we will lean into it. So 1 John 5, 11, 12. John, when he writes later this letter back to the churches, long after he wrote his gospel, he says, this is the testimony. God gave us fullness of life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Cornerstone Church, this is the testimony. Whoever has Christ, the Son, has life life. Let's settle for nothing less. As we begin whatever this next chapter of our life is together as a church and as individuals, let's settle for nothing less than the abundance of life that Jesus has for us. So today, do something extravagant. Do something to wake up your senses. Kiss somebody passionately. Or go get ice cream like Ellie. <laughs>